0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I am delighted that you are with us today as we explore how to build massive wealth from nothing. Chris Larson is the founder and managing partner of The Next Level Income. Chris has been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years while still a college student. He bought his first rental property at the age of 21. Chris then expanded into development, private lending, buying distressed debt, as well as commercial offices, and ultimately syndicating multifamily properties. He began syndicating deals in 2016 and has been an actively involved in over 500 million of real estate acquisitions. Chris is passionate about helping other investors become financially independent. So Chris, take us off by sharing a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are
1: today. Yeah, Alan, great to be here. Thank you so much. And yeah, we could practically do this in person. We're right right down the road from each other. Yeah, cool. But yeah, for me, I had kind of multiple things in, in my story and I talk about it in my book, which I'm happy to, happy to share with you if you're listening today. But, but two things really stand out. And no, you said one, I'm going to give you two. My father passed away when I was five years old. And it was, it was one of those things that I actually didn't realize how impactful it was until I hit the same age that he was. He was 41. He was only 41 years old. He died in a plane crash. I'm 43. So um, it's actually just his birthday here here recently. But when I crossed 41 years old, I realized like part of why I kind of had my head down and pushed so hard. And what I realized was when you lose somebody that young, you realize that time is finite. And I'm an engineer by training. I'm, a, I'm an analytical guy. So if, if you know the value of time or the value of a day is an equation, and you have that day on top, and you have the number of days you're going to live on the bottom, If you think you're going to live forever, like most people, most young people do, they just think, Hey, you know, I have all the time in the world. That value drops down, right? If you know the value of that bottom number, if it was 10, if it was 10 days, every day would have so much value. So that really sat in in the back of my psyche for a lot of years. And I really didn't fully appreciate it until I did a lot of introspective, until I had a lot of introspective thought here over the past couple of years. But but from an investing perspective, I was fortunate. I had a really good family friend from church. He's the one that introduced me to cycling, which helped me kind of give me my first true passion in life. And then he also introduced me to investing, the miracle of compound interest. And I'll never forget the Money Magazine article he gave me that talked about starting a Roth IRA and it had this like upward curve with compound interest on it. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm 18 years old. If I do this now, like I'm basically assured to be a millionaire by the time I'm 65, but I set my sights a little higher than that and took me, let's we'll say it was before I was 35, before I hit that point. And I think you know, that's what really motivates me today is help people share my lessons so you can shorten that curve for yourself as well.
0: Well, excellent. Interesting introduction there to how it is that you got motivated to get started, but you brought your first home when you were 21 and you only had a few thousand dollars in the bank. I'm assuming since you were a college student, you certainly didn't have a full-time W-2 job. And so how did you go about getting that home without any down payment and without that W-2 job, which is so important to buying your first home, generally speaking?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the great thing about uh, this country is there's there's a lot of options for people when they buy their first homes, I got an FHA loan and I only had to put $3,000 down for that property. It was a $90,000 townhouse. I was in college. And the quick aside, I was day trading. I was actually making, making a lot of money, kind of like on a, on a weekly, monthly basis, but I was also some months I was losing money. And that stress from trading, not sleeping, laying there in bed at 3 a.m., it really made me think like, there's, there's got to be a better way than doing this. And I started doing some research and came upon real estate, and I looked at the kind of the risk reward profile and the control, the leverage, the ability to you know manage it yourself, and the outcome really appealed to me. So that's what led me to investing. But that first townhouse, the way I was able to close it, because even if you have money in the bank and you're, you're 21 years old, if you don't have a job, they're still not going to give you a loan. So even if you have, even if I had 20000 dollars in the bank. I wasn't going to get a loan. My mom co signed on the loan with me. I ended up buying her out the property after a few years, but that's how I got that first property. And then I had some other jobs. So once I did have a job and I had the income coming in from that property, because I rented two of the three bedrooms out, that's how I was able to buy my next property, which was next door just a year later. So Um, Within a year, I had almost my own little multifamily, six unit multifamily, where I rented five of the six bedrooms out and I got to live in one. So not only was I living for free, I was actually making money.
0: Well, interesting beginning to that. So you started off with a single family home and a couple of years later... Got a second home. So that made you a multifamily real estate <laughs> investor. So tell us, uh, I guess, apparently you kind of have taken from that point on kind of a step by step process. But tell us a little bit about that. Maybe it wasn't quite as organized as what it may may have sounded there.
1: <laughs> it was not. And that's, again, that's what motivated me. I tell people, I'm like, I can tell you in 15 minutes what it took me 15 years to learn. So my original plan, it was, it was pretty simple, Alan. And look, it's, I think it's still a great plan. Real estate is a wonderful way to build wealth and you don't have to make it complex. I like to say it's, it's, get ri- it's like a get rich, slow scheme. So my plan was to buy enough properties so I had ten thousand dollars coming in after expenses, before debt service. So let's just assume there was no no loans on the property, and then that was step one. And then step two was get a job where I made enough money that I could pay off these properties in a reasonable amount of time. So I was in I was in engineering. I did my MBA. I, I wanted to sales, but that was my initial plan. And unfortunately, after doing that for about fifteen years, dealing with all the headaches and finally looking in the mirror and looking at what my returns were, which were low single digits after tax. If you looked at the equity I had in those properties, I realized there's got to be a better way out there. But that was my original plan before I actually pivoted to multifamily.
0: So you were actually in it for 15 years and you were purchasing, I guess, single family homes and maybe some small multifamily in conjunction with all of that. And you were planning to pay all of that off with the W-2 job. That was the plan. Yep. Simple as that. <laughs> exactly. Not
1: complicated at all. Not complicated. It just doesn't yeah. work very well. Takes a long time and the too. returns, are, the ter- returns yeah. are low. And yeah, it was like, this is like, I got, a, I got an MBA in portfolio management. I'm making 7% on my portfolio and I'm paying tax on that. Like, there's like, this isn't, this is not optimal, shall we say.
0: So after about 15 years, you came to the realization that that was a good plan. It just It wasn't going to work for another 50 years or so. So
1: you shifted gears. So tell us about that shift in the gears there. How it came to be, we had our second child. So I have two boys. They're uh, soon to be 10 and 12 here. And my wife goes back to work. So she goes back to work. She's an architect. So she spent a lot of time in school, a lot of money, and she loves what she does. She's very good at it. So she goes back to work. At the end of the year, after both my boys were in daycare, I'm looking through the finances, going a monthly rev- or a annual review like I always do. And I looked at my wife and I said, it, it cost us $11,000 for you to work this year. And she said, "She said, what do you mean? I said, well, after taxes and paying for, for childcare, you know, it was, was $11,000. She goes, I, I only made $11,000 after that. I said, no, it cost us $11,000. And we sat down and said, well, it doesn't, it, unfortunately, it didn't make financial sense for her to keep working, but she wanted to work and I, I wanted her to work. So we said, okay, let's, let's kind of rethink how we're doing things. So we, we put a plan together. And as part of that plan, we were at a business meeting together where we, we ended up working with a business coach so we could help her start her own practice. We also started building spec homes at that time. So our goal was to increase the income. It was coming from her efforts and we were going to do that from her starting her own practice as well as, as her managing our, our development business. So this was in about 2012. So, you know, my first property was bought in 99. So I guess it wasn't quite 15 years. We're talking 13 years later, but I still had those single family properties. So uh, timeline, you can see where I'm getting to that 15 year timeline. So in this process, we're at this meeting, I'm talking to a gentleman and I was telling him, about, you were talking about real estate. I was talking about what I had and I was kind of lamenting the fact that I had these properties that weren't really making me a lot of money and they were creating headaches. And I had all this equity like locked up in these properties. And I like to call it like lazy equity. And if you're listening, the dirty secret that you don't hear a lot is your equity earns you zero in real estate. And here's what I mean. If you have a $100,000 property you put $10,000 down and it goes up, you made 100% on your equity. If that property is now worth $100,000 more and your equity is worth $100,000 and it goes up another $10,000, you've earned 10%. So you you haven't earned anything on that $90,000 that went up. You've earned the same $10,000. And that's why leverage is so important. And he said, Chris, you should look into multifamily real estate. I said, well, that's just basically the same thing as I'm doing. And he said, well, no, this is my friends. They syndicate deals and you know they bring investors together. I'm like, sure, I'll talk to them. And what I found in those conversations, Alan, was that the demographic drivers in multifamily were the same demographic drivers that got me into the medical device industry that brought me to North Carolina. And they were going to support this space for the next decade plus. And I like making bets on long-term trends. And then I drilled in, and what I found was not only was multifamily real estate passive for investors, and I was working 60, 80, sometimes 100-hour weeks. I was on call. I'd spent like months working straight. I spent days in a row in the hospital, sleeping in the hospital. I mean, I I worked a lot. I made a lot of money, but I worked a lot. I didn't have time to deal with this. So that passive ability to invest was very appealing. And then what really was crazy is I was going to get better returns as an investor, than I was managing my own properties. And then on top of that, there are better tax advantages. So what did I do? I sold every single, single family property we had. I put it all into commercial real estate. It wasn't hundred percent multifamily. We We have some commercial offices. We have some other stuff that we do as well. But it really, the light bulb went off and over, it was about three years it took us to unwind that portfolio and move everything in. And, and that's, that's what we do today. The only residential properties that we own are short-term rentals or Airbnbs. Everything else is commercial.
0: We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Steetalker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Well, interesting trajectory there. You are a member of Venture South, which is an angel investment group. Tell us a little bit more about that. I don't think I've ever had a guest on the show who is actually a member of an angel investing group. So inform us.
1: Venture South started about six or seven years ago. I have to go back and look. And originally in Asheville, it was, uh, I believe it was called um, Asheville Angels, I think is how we started. Now Venture South is comprised of, I think we're up to 13 groups across not only North and South Carolina, but also Virginia. And the great thing about the Asheville Angels is that they looked at local businesses. And as a young Professional that came to Asheville, you know, it's challenging. If if anybody's single and comes to Asheville, they know it's it's hard to find other young professionals to be in relationships with, to interact with. And it really appealed to me to be able to go to these events. And you know, frankly, a lot of a lot of the individuals I was interacting with, they they were older, but it was very stimulating to talk to people that had a different mindset than the people I was around. They had this wealthy mindset. So in 2015, I joined Asheville Angels. I've been an active investor. I've been active on the due diligence. Over the past few years, as I focus more and more on next level income and growing my company, I've been a little less involved with that. But Venture South, it's not only an opportunity for for investors to invest in companies and make money, but it's also an opportunity for investors to be active, to mentor, and help local companies in the Southeast grow and support the local economy. And I'm a big fan of that. So you basically
0: are funding new businesses, new entrepreneurs, and not only are you providing the funding for that, you are providing mentorship and guidance to, well, I mean, to ensure that they success so that your investment in that company is also uh, successful as well.
1: I, th- I think you put it. I think you put it better than I did, Alan. And yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot like an investment club where you work together. You know, you pull your collective mind. I got to provide input to medical pharmaceutical companies where I spent my career. Others, you know, had experience in marketing and other different things, so they were able to provide their experience and input there. And, and it, again, it's fun. It's the returns can be very high. They can be very low. You make mm-hmm. a lot of money. You make zero money. But I think it's an interesting part of a portfolio.
0: Well you have been involved in some uh, five hundred million worth of real estate acquisitions. you've learned a lot of lessons through that, so tell us some of the major and most important lessons you've learned from that
1: experience yeah, so I will say that my experience as an engineer and kind of being trained in how to think and i was I always joke around I say my my counselor pulled me aside in college and said hey, Chris, we got a problem. You're not smart enough to be an engineer and you have too much personality. So maybe you should go into like sales or something like that. And that's actually where I spent my careers in sales. But I learned, I I knew I didn't want to be an engineer about two weeks into my freshman year. But what I've learned was how to think. And the engineering process, it sets assumptions. You go through those assumptions, then you solve your problem. And I always look, okay, what are the assumptions? Why is the multifamily space a good place to put money. You, know, you go through the data, you look at that information. So I've really learned how to take that mindset and apply it. And again, that's what I talk about in my book. I mentioned I'd, I'd give your listeners my book here. It's at nextlevelincome.com. You can click on the book link, I can walk you through like my entire process. And I'll repeat that again here in a little bit. But the other thing I learned was relationships are super important. I talk about real estate being a team sport in my book. And what I mean by that, Is you can't do everything. If you wanna be successful, if you wanna grow, whether you're the Atlanta Braves, who I just took my boys to watch win the World Series, or you are a real estate investor, you need people on your team. Even if you're an individual, you still need a realtor, you need attorneys, you need You know, people that are out there not only helping you look for deals and vet deals and get the paperwork done for deals, but property managers and these sorts of individuals. But as you scale, the most important thing in my mind is you need to surround yourself with people that have an abundance mindset. And here's what I mean. There's scarcity and there's abundance. My belief in this world is that there's enough to go around for everybody. And the more we help other people the more we share and provide information and opportunities for our partners, for our investors, for those people that we work with, the more that comes back. If you don't surround yourself with those types of people, and you're with people that think there's a fixed pie, like I've got to get my slice of the pie, and that's all there is. That's very small thinking. And what happens, it's very insidious. That type of thinking leads to a couple of things. One, it leads to less those individuals that have a scarcity mindset end up achieving less. They impact less people. Their lives are very small. Those people that have an abundance mindset continue to grow. Their relationships grow. Their networks grow. And if you've heard the term, your network is your net worth, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. But at some point, you have enough money. Money's not everything. Those relationships that you build in an abundance mindset, those people that you've helped out along the way, That's what truly makes a rich life. And that is the most important lesson that I've learned over my journey. So to sum that up, there's start off with the assumptions and look for the solutions,
0: develop the appropriate relationships and develop an abundance mindset. Absolutely. Excellent points there. And I couldn't agree more on that aspect of the abundance mindset. God, it is such a we live in such a negative world and it's important to find people to surround yourself with who share that abundance mindset. It's not always easy to find,
1: but so critical. Yeah, and there will be people along the way that come in, you develop relationships with and you, you find out later and, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, you know, I, I raced bicycles for a lot of years and I went through a, a very dark period in the sport, you know, where, where drugs were pervasive. And yeah. look, the fact of the matter is, Any professional sport, any business, anything out there, there's people that are not going to play by the rules. They're going to cheat. They're going to steal. They're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to rip you off. Try to avoid those situations. But when those things happen, as they inevitably do, you have to just continue to focus on the abundance, on those relationships that are providing value, not let yourself get distracted, and you can keep growing. And if your growth outstrips those, you'll just continue to grow, and those things will be in your rearview mirror, and they'll be, they'll be minuscule compared to yeah. what you accomplish.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, multifamily is one of your major focuses, though not your only one. But you have made the statement that multifamily investing is the holy grail of investing. Why is that?
1: Yeah, so that might sound like a, a pretty bold and maybe even controversial term, holy grail. And that's it's right on the cover of my book. So I put it right out there. And the holy grail, it's a term that I pulled. From Ray Dalio. So Ray Dalio, he's one of the most successful investors, hedge fund, Bridgewater Capital. Some people would call Ray Dalio even more successful than Warren Buffett. Ray Dalio calls the ability to increase the return of your portfolio and decrease the risk, the holy grail of investing. Mm-hmm. And what I found as I, as I did my research into commercial and specifically multifamily real estate was that as you add multifamily real estate to your portfolio, and this is right here in page 37 of my book, you actually increase the return of your portfolio, assuming you have stocks and bonds in your portfolio, mm-hmm. and you decrease the risk. And I was like, holy cow, Like, not only do I love multifamily real estate for all these reasons, but it makes sense financially. And that's why the richest people in the world those that are worth 10 50 100 million and more they're putting 20 to 30% of their net worth into this space pension funds sovereign wealth funds you know life insurance companies endowments they also invest in this space you're probably not going to hear this from your edward jones advisor or merrill lynch or whoever your financial advisor is and I truly believe that a good financial advisor provides value, but unfortunately, a lot of those advisors are prohibited from sharing these sorts of investments with their specific clients. And that's that's what really motivated me to write a book, to share what we do. And if you go to our website, Next Level Income is all about providing not only education, but also the opportunities to achieve financial independence. And that's what it's all about. Well, you've mentioned your book and your website. So tell us what is your website and are there other ways to connect with you? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about what we do, nextlevelincome.com. We have our podcast up there. We have our blog. Uh, You can get my book for free. We also talk a lot about what's called the infinite banking concept. I have a banking page on there and you can see what our investment optimizer is. So if you're already investing in in real estate and multifamily and you're like, I know all this, Chris, I'm a a true believer. um, Check out the investment optimizer. It can actually increase the returns on your portfolio based upon how you invest. And Again, if you want to get a free copy of my book, if you put your your address in there at the book link, I will send you a free copy as well. Wow, that's a deal for sure. So this
0: investment optimizer, does that have something to do with becoming your own bank?
1: Yes, people call it IBC or infinite banking concept. And it's a concept based upon that. And it's a strategy of using the cash value in your life insurance policy to really optimize returns. And what I always ask investors, Alan, is what are you doing with your money in between deals? If it's just sitting in a bank account earning zero, there's a liquidity drag on that. And we design the investment optimizer concept to help people maximize the total returns on their portfolio by reducing that drag that they have.
0: Oh, very good. Well, Chris, I've got one more question before we close out the show here, and that is sure. share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that time and what did you learn from the experience?
1: Yeah, I mentioned at the outset of the, the show today, Alan, that you know, I lost my father at a very young age and that was impactful, but I was young. I was five. It wasn't immediately impactful from a perspective as I, I just didn't have the perspective. I also lost my best friend when I was 19. He was 18. I just turned 19. And that was a punch in the face. He was my best friend. He was my training partner. He was my college roommate. And in the blink of an eye, he had a brain hemorrhage and was dead. I went back to school. I didn't want to be an engineer. I was racing my bike. And after a year doing that, I achieved great success on the bike. But I realized uh, after I won a race, it was actually his memorial race over a year after he passed away, I felt nothing. I came across the line. I won the race, like dominantly. And I felt nothing. What I realized was you can seek out success, you can set goals in life, but when you achieve those goals, they're not often as exciting as you might think they are. It's the pursuit and you have to enjoy the pursuit and you have to enjoy the time with those people that you love and value in your life along the way. And I'm thankful for the five, six years that I had with Chris. I, I don't sit and cry every day because I don't get to spend time with him. I certainly wish he was still here, but I appreciate the time I had with him, the impact he had on me and my development. And that's the biggest thing is I think you need to appreciate every day that you have. It's what motivates me to get up and live and help other people. And you know if, if you're out there and you're looking for motivation, set a goal, set a why that is just so big that you have to literally change yourself. You have to become a better person to achieve it. And that is what really fulfills us as human beings in my mind.
0: Well, Chris, love your attitude. It has been a delight visiting with you today. And thank you for sharing your abundance with us. It's been a pleasure. Alan, thanks for the
1: opportunity. It's been my pleasure as well.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital